Grace and peace to you this morning. It is good to be here and worship together. And as we gather, I invite you to take two or three deep breaths just to ground and center yourself in this place and in this space. Let us now prepare our hearts and our minds to worship God. Please rise in body or spirit for the call to worship. Come, rest your spirits in the Lord. <clears throat> this is a place of peace and hope where all may be fed and made new. Come, Place your trust in God, who is always with you.
may be seated. I want to welcome you here to worship. If you're visiting with us, a special welcome to you. I do invite you sitting in the middle here to fill out that pew pad during the offering. Pass it down, pass it back. It's a great way to learn the names of those sitting near you. It's also a wonderful way for us to connect with you if you are visiting. So let's join together now in our community prayer. You'll find it printed in your bulletin. Let us pray. Loving God, you call us to take time to refresh our spirits our souls. There is so much need in our world. We turn to you for feeding and nurture, asking you to sustain us. Remind us that from emptiness you create substance. When we hunger, you fill us from your abundance. When all seems lost, you offer hope and make possible the impossible. Our prayers continue in quiet. Amen. Friends, through Jesus Christ, we have been given an example of one who was truly nourished and sustained by God. And in Christ, we are forgiven, we are restored, we are made new. Thanks be to God. Amen. I'd now like to invite any of the children who are worshiping with us to come join me here at the front. Come on down. Good morning, you guys. How's it going? Oh, no, you know what? I just noticed something as I sat down. I have oh, this weird string on my robe. I'm going to get rid of it because I don't want to distract anyone later in worship. So I'll just be staring at my string. So let, wait a minute. Oh, wait a minute. I thought I, thought I could just... What's happening here? There is, it's coming through there, but... I thought it was just a little string, but it just keeps going. Oh, no. Now it's going to be of a bigger distraction later. Oh, look at this. Will you do something? Can you yank on it? Maybe maybe it'll stop. No, look, it just keeps coming. Oh, that's smart. Look at this guy using his teeth. Love it. Okay, phew. Thank you. Oh, no, there's still more. Oh, you only kind of helped. That good teeth move there. I like it. Oh my, look at this. It just, I tell you what, here, can you, maybe, can you pull on it? Maybe it'll come, no, look at just, oh my gosh. This is going to be a disaster. Oh, phew. finally, oh my goodness. That is a lot. Look at all this. And then if you, that is, oh my heavens. It just kept coming and coming and coming. Kind of reminds me of something. You know, a little later on in worship, the adults are going to hear a story. It's actually they're going to hear a prayer about God's love. And they're going to hear 
that it's hard to even understand how wide and how tall and how deep God's love is. It's so huge. It's, 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 um, it's, it's hard to understand. And so this string actually reminds me a little bit of God's love. It just keeps coming and coming and coming and coming into our lives. And even sometimes if we think it might be cut off, right, it just keeps coming and coming some more and some more and some more. And that's pretty amazing. God's love, even bigger than this string. Finally, we got to the end of this string. I was wondering if we ever would. But you know what? We never, ever, ever get to the end of God's love. We can't cut it off. We can't make it stop. And that's a good thing. It's always ever flowing, ever abundant in our lives. So if there's ever a time when you're feeling maybe a little down, a little sad, you're struggling with something, you're just, I don't know, just not feeling right, I suggest you remember God's love and how huge it is in your lives for each one of you. How much God loves you just keeps coming and coming and coming, never, ever ending. And that's good news. That's something to celebrate. So I'm going to celebrate that with you this week. God's amazing, unending love. Really? That's very exciting. All right. So it's time for you all to go to Sunday school. I think, yep, look, Ned's over there. He's going to lead you out. And we're going to sing to you as you go. Go now in peace. Go now in peace. May the love. And at this time, I'd like to invite up Patty Sanders. She is the hunger action advocate for the Redwoods Presbytery, a group of about 50 churches of which we are a part. And she's going to share with us all about Pedal for Protein. So I brought some props. There's some uh, tuna. There's some beans. And, and there's some peanut butter. some bells which got stuck it's a string <laughs> was stuck on my god doesn't give up on you <laughs> or on this <laughs> well it's wonderful to be here did um anybody ride their bike to church today anybody there were five people in the first service so i guess the early birds ride their bikes <laughs> I want to thank this church for their support of Pedal for Protein. This is our fifth year of our ride in September. And the, uh, my, my uh, talk was uh, in a different place in the first sermon. And uh, Bethany did a thing on Jesus Loves Me. And I know Jesus loves Pedal for Protein because, thanks be to God, we have been successful in raising funds for food pantries for protein food as you see here and eggs and cheese and so on way beyond in our first four years we have raised over and donated over hundred and forty thousand dollars to food banks in our presbytery including the Marin Food Bank, Sonoma, Napa, Solano, everywhere we have churches in our presbytery, and donated to the Presbyterian Hunger Program for International Food Justice Projects. So um, good job, everybody. You've done a wonderful, 
wonderful job. So this year's ride, we actually have two rides this year. One wasn't enough, so we have two. We have a six-day ride all up in Humboldt County. Pastor Dan Link of the Arcata Church has come up with a wonderful route for us. It's um, rather hilly. I think we're going to do over 20,000 feet of climbing in six days. Uh, I need to get back on my bike. <laughs> uh, and then we're also going to have a one-day ride here in Santa Rosa. So how many of you have bicycles? Great. A lot of you have... How many of you could ride six miles on an absolutely flat trail? Right. Well, that's what we have in Santa Rosa. We have a six-mile ride. We have a 12-mile ride. They're all on paved bike trails on the Santa Rosa Creek. Absolutely beautiful. And then we have a 25-mile ride, which we'll ride over to Sebastopol a little bit on some uh, rural roads. So I hope on Saturday, September 29th, you will come up to Santa Rosa. I hope you'll register before that. I have information back in your uh, coffee hour room. And come and join us uh, and, and enjoy a, a wonderful morning up in, in Santa Rosa. We'll uh, have either a T-shirt or um, socks for you and lunch for your registration fee. The other thing, uh, that's one thing you can do. Second thing you can do is donate. If you uh, can't ride or if you want to ride and donate, um, we our goal this year is $50,000. We raised $45,000 last year. Our first year, was, I, I set the goal at 20. I just, just pulled something out of the air, and I, we raised 25. And every year it's gone up. So I try not to make it too much over what we did the year before, so it's attainable. But this year it's $50,000. That's a, that's a big nut to crack. So we need your support. In fact, the Sonoma Church, uh, St. Andrew in Sonoma, they donated $5,000 last year. And they're about half the size of your congregation. So I'm going to throw out a little gauntlet, a little challenge. You know, I know you could do it. I know you do lots, but we do appreciate your support. The third thing you can do is set up in your fellowship hall there. Um, we have a fair trade uh, fair with coffee, tea, and chocolate from Equal Exchange. Our presbytery joke is that we have people addicted to Equal Exchange chocolate, and they have to buy it. Uh, Bethany always buys five bars, $20 worth, every time. She, she, I, I can count on Bethany. So uh, please uh, come and take a look. We have some wonderful new jewelry. We have scarves. We have all kinds of items. All the proceeds will benefit the fundraising for Pedal for Protein uh, for this church, and they will forward the funds to the Presbytery Office for our food pantry. So thank you. Thank you for your participation. Any way you can do it. Thank you. Thank you, Patty. If she hadn't told on me, I was going to tell on myself. Yes, I have already bought my chocolate bar. So all kinds of stuff uh, in Finley Hall. So I do encourage you to check that out after worship. So now is the time in our worship where we share our joys and our concerns with each other, that we are in prayer for and with each other in our wider world. Uh, one joy I would like to share is if you read your bulletin closely, you'll note that our musical guests we're a quartet, the Bow Quartet. And if you can count, you'll see there are actually five up there. It has become a quintet. Um, and that is because we are welcoming Michael Peterson into the quintet today. Such a joy. We've been praying for Michael throughout his health challenges. And we're just so excited that you are here with us today. So, amen. And a thank you to all five of you for your beautiful music and worship this morning. What a joy. 
Now, are there other joys or concerns that you have to share? Yeah, Elizabeth. Absolutely. Yeah, she's praying for the firefighters, the first responders, for all the fires that are happening, especially that one by Redding, um, all those involved with that. Yeah, Todd. Mm, Lulu? Okay, severe concussion prayers, absolutely. So someone back here. June? Okay, prayers for friend Katie, who's starting chemo this week for lung cancer. Others? Yeah, Carol. Absolutely. Prayers for the children who continue to be separated from their parents and prayers that the reunification may happen soon. I know a lot of you probably saw our pile of stuffed animals as you walked in. Um, That is part of a project that is helping raise awareness um, for these children who continue to be separated from their families. Yeah, Erica. Yes, and thank you for mentioning that. Brent Rodenbach, a member of our church who has been undergoing chemo for lymphoma, and he got a clean bill of health recently. Certainly not totally out of the woods, but the chemo is doing what it's supposed to do, and that's been quite a joy for him and his family. Let's have a few moments of quiet as we hold all of these prayers in our hearts, and then I'll lead us in the Lord's Prayer. Let us pray. Gracious God, you hear the prayers of your people, and they're offered in the name of the one who taught us to pray together, saying, Our Father.
first scripture reading today is Psalm 145, verses 10 through 18. Listen as the Lord speaks to us. All your works shall give thanks to you, O Lord, and all your faithful shall bless you. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and tell of your power to make known to all people your mighty deeds and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures throughout all generations. The Lord is faithful in all his words and gracious in all her deeds. The Lord upholds all who are falling and raises up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you, and you give them their food in due season. You open your hand satisfying the desire of every living thing. The Lord is just in all his ways and kind in his doings. The Lord is near to all who can call on her, to all who call on her in truth. This is holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks be to God. Our second reading this morning is from Paul's letter to the Ephesians. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth takes its name. I pray that according to the riches of God's glory, God may grant that you may be strengthened in your inner being with power through God's spirit, and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith as you are being rooted and grounded in love. I pray that you may have the power to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to God, who by the power at work within us is able to accomplish abundantly far more than all we can ask or imagine, to God be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. This too is holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks be to God. So I want to start by sharing with you a joy from my own family this past week, and that is that my sister had a baby last week. I have a new nephew named Cooper. Now, he joins my other nephew, Austin, who is soon to turn three. And I know throughout the pregnancy, the greatest concern of my sister and her husband was how Austin was going to welcome Cooper into the family. Because Austin is a boy who loves his routines. Everything needs to be the same from day to day to day. And in fact, just one story, my dad was visiting a couple months ago and took Austin to this park where apparently he likes to take an empty yogurt container and play in the water feature. So my dad hands Austin a yogurt container, and Austin won't play with it. And apparently he says that it's because it's not a strawberry yogurt container. <laughs> and at this park, he plays with a strawberry yogurt container. Gotta love my nephew. So anyway... This boy of routine is about to have his life totally changed by his little brother, and there was much concern about how he would welcome his brother into the family. Now, it's only been a week, time will tell, but I wanted to show you just a couple of pictures 
That's Austin in the big brother t-shirt. This little baby brother down there lying down. And look at the big smile on his face. And then here he is. His dad's carefully supervising. He's giving little Cooper a big hug. And this is perhaps my favorite. A big kiss. That's all at the hospital. And then the next day, there's my mom holding the baby. And Austin is reading his brother one of his favorite stories. Now again... Austin may not fully understand what change this baby is about to bring to his life, but at least the initial welcome was more than my sister and brother-in-law could have ever hoped for. You know, Austin could have welcomed this child with, you know, kicking and screaming, temper tantrums, and instead he's welcomed him with hugs and kisses and stories. In fact, just this morning, my sister sent a text of Austin singing to his little baby brother. So sweet. But I thought of all of this as I read Paul's letter, actually Paul's prayer. It's a prayer he is offering to the Ephesians. Because in that prayer, Paul prays that Christ may dwell in the hearts of the people. I love that image. The idea that Christ dwells in our hearts know about you, but for me, that's very comforting, very uplifting to think that Christ would choose each one of us to be a dwelling place. But I realize that in order for that to happen, I need to welcome him in, to make my heart a dwelling place for Christ. And I realized that I could do that in many ways. I could do it kind of kicking and screaming, realizing that Christ dwelling in my heart is going to change things. Or I could welcome Christ with hugs and kisses and songs. There's a Presbyterian pastor named Karen Chikoian, and she describes it kind of like this. She says, say you have someone coming to your house. You know, if that person is just visiting for a little while, not much really needs to change. You know, you're, you're patient and accommodating to each other, but... Your behaviors and customs in your house can sort of carry on as usual. But she says, if someone is coming in to stay, then everything begins to change. Here's what she says. Eventually, that person makes their mark. Conversations change. Relationships realign. Responsibilities shift. So it is when Christ moves into the hearts of Christians This isn't merely tweaking old patterns. Everything changes. Which makes me think, well, what does that really look like? When Christ comes to dwell in our hearts, everything changes. Well, in the second half of that same sentence, Paul says that what happens is that we become rooted and grounded in love. Another beautiful image. I mean, just think about what it would look like for your life to be rooted and grounded in love. Now, one thing that means is that your life is not rooted and grounded in other things. You know, a life that is rooted and grounded in love is not rooted and grounded in fear or in hate or in striving for accomplishment or in shame or in grief You know, certainly all of those things are a part of life. But when Christ dwells in our hearts, our lives are rooted and grounded in love. 
Love is at the center of our decision-making. Love is at the center of our relationships. Love is at the center of our actions. Love is at the center of all that we do and be and become in this world. But it begins by welcoming Christ into the dwelling places in our hearts. It reminds me a little bit of the Harry Potter book and movie series, especially the first book where the author describes Harry living in the house of his aunt and uncle and cousin, a house into which he has really not been welcomed. You know, the author talks about there's Harry standing up in the middle. Notice how his clothes are all baggy and ill-fitting. It's because they're all hand-me-downs from his older cousin. He doesn't get new clothes. On holidays, his cousin gets all the presents over there on the right, and Harry's there in the back cooking a meal for all of them. And then perhaps the worst is Harry's bedroom, which is a teeny tiny little closet under the stairway. You know, Harry is living in their house, but he has certainly not been welcomed into their hearts. Nothing has changed. None of their behaviors, none of their family patterns have changed because Harry is with them. And that really is too bad because the Dursley family is missing out on the love and the joy that Harry could offer to their lives. They're missing out on precious relationships that could have been formed. And I wonder if that is one of the reasons why Paul writes this letter to the Ephesians. Because Paul is someone who has made his heart a dwelling place for Christ. Paul is a person who has begun to understand what it is really like to live rooted and grounded in love. And he wants everyone else to experience that. He wants everyone else to know the depth and the breadth and the width and the height of Christ's love. He wants everyone else to live in the fullness of God's love. He has experienced it for himself, and he wants to share that good news with everyone else. Now, I know for me, sort of making my heart a dwelling place for Christ really is about two things. The first one is the realization, the the acceptance that Christ actually wants to dwell in me, in me, in you, in each one of us. Christ has chosen each one of us. And sometimes even a fact as seemingly simple as that is a little hard to comprehend. Author Anne Lamott writes about the first time that she really welcomed Christ into her heart And she says it was a time that was especially difficult in her life. She was doing a lot of drugs and alcohol, struggling with a lot of different things in her life. And in fact, she even says she reached a point where she could no longer imagine how God could love me. That was how low it had gotten in her life. And then she writes about a night that followed a particularly difficult day. And she said, I got in bed shaky and sad, too wild to have another drink or take a sleeping pill. I had a cigarette and turned off the light. After a while, as I lay there, I became aware of someone with me, she says, hunkered down in the corner. The feeling was so strong that I actually turned the light on for a moment to make sure no one was there. And of course, no one was there. 
But after a while in the dark again, I knew beyond any doubt that it was Jesus. I felt him as surely as I feel my dog lying nearby as I write this now. He was just sitting there in the corner of my sleeping loft watching me with patience and with love. And I I squinched my eyes shut, but that didn't help because that's not what I was seeing him with. The experience spooked me badly, and I thought it was just an apparition. But then, everywhere I went, I had the feeling that a little cat was following me, wanting me to reach down and pick it up, wanting me to open the door and let it in. But I knew what would happen. You let a cat in one time, give it a little milk, and then it stays forever. So I tried to keep one step ahead of it, slamming my houseboat door when I entered and left. And she continues, one week later when I went back to church, the last song was so deep and raw and pure, I felt like their voices or something was rocking me in its bosom, holding me like a scared kid. I opened up to that feeling and it washed over me. I began to cry, so I left before the benediction. I raced home. I felt the little cat running along at my heels. I walked down the dock under a sky as blue as one of God's own dreams. I opened the door to my house, but I stood there for a moment. Then I hung my head. I took a long, deep breath, and I said out loud, All right! You can come in. That's certainly one way to welcome Christ into our hearts. Uh, I'm guessing maybe many of you have not had quite that profound an experience, though some of you probably have. At least for me, I have found that process of making my heart a dwelling place for Christ is a long process. It's a lifelong process. And Lamont would probably say the same thing. Even after this kind of big conversion moment, it took her three more years to decide to get baptized. And she writes, even on the morning of her baptism, she called up her pastor and she says, I really don't think I'm ready because I'm not good enough yet. Also, I'm insane. My heart is good, but my insides have gone bad. And she said her pastor told her, You're putting the cart before the horse. Isn't that true? Christ longs to dwell in our hearts, not because we're good enough, not because we've proven ourselves, but simply because we are beloved children of God. Sometimes that's hard to grasp. I think that's why Paul talks about the depth and the breadth and the width and the height. And in fact, Paul in his prayer prays that we may Know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge. He wants us to know the unknowable. That's truly how it is with God's love, right? It is almost too difficult to know. And yet, and yet still, we make room in our hearts for a dwelling place for Christ. And yet still, we aim to lead lives that are rooted and grounded in love. So that was the first step, that realization that Christ does, in fact, want to dwell in me, which leads to the second step, which is allowing our lives to be changed when that happens. Remember, being rooted and grounded in love means that we get rid of some of those old habits, those old habits that were created out of fear or hate or guilt or shame. 
And that too can be difficult. That too can be a lifelong process. You know, Lamotte in that same book writes that after that conversion experience, it took her two more years to finally feel like she was ready to get clean and sober. It's a lifelong process. But our lives do change when we realize that Christ is not a visitor in our life, but a permanent resident. I think sometimes as we work through the challenges of living that life rooted and grounded in love, these words of the psalmist can help us. The psalmist who reminds us God upholds all who are falling. God raises up all who are bowed down. God is kind in all God's doings. God is near to all who call. May we make our hearts a dwelling place for God. And when we stumble, let us remember that God does uphold us. One more story from yet another Presbyterian pastor. His name's Tom Eyre. He remembers back in his high school years when he was driving home one day from his part-time job. He says it had been a little rainy. The roads were slick. So as he entered the freeway in front of him, a couple cars got in a fender bender. And he says, as it sometimes happens, more and more cars got involved. He said, I think I was the fifth or sixth out of ten in this accident. No one was hurt. It was okay. But soon enough, the police came and took all the notes they had to take. And he says this was in the days before cell phones. Imagine that. So eventually he asked one of the police if he could go down one of the exit ramps and find a payphone at a gas station to call his mom. And he says this. He says, she answered, Mom, I said. That's all I said. I do not know how moms can tell, but with no more than one word, they know that trouble has come. She said, Tell me where you are. I will be right there. He says, I don't know what I expected her to say. Perhaps she would tell me to be more careful. Perhaps she would remind me of what was going to happen to my auto insurance. Perhaps she would rehearse how the rainy weather conditions meant I should have been driving more carefully. But it was not time for those conversations. She simply said, tell me where you are. I will be right there. The psalmist tells us God upholds who are falling. God is near to all who call. I'm reminded of one of our tried and true children's church songs, Jesus Loves Me. Guessing most of you have sung that song at least once in your life. You can even get a t-shirt. Jesus loves me, this I know. I think often we sing children's songs without even thinking about the words. But when we sing this, we are singing, Jesus loves me, this I know. Do we really know it? Do we really know the depth and the breadth and the height and the width of God's love? Do we really know the fullness of God's love for us? Paul says that that surpasses all knowledge. And yet... And yet still we make our hearts a dwelling place for Christ. Still we lead our lives rooted and grounded and love. And in doing so, perhaps yes. Perhaps yes, we can sing, Jesus loves me. This I know. Amen.
You may be seated. I invite you to take a look at all that is happening here in the life of the church, the, all the announcements in our bulletin, and plug in where it makes most sense for you. Uh, one thing to highlight, during the month of July, uh, we regularly take a pause on many of our usual meetings and classes and such, but August is here. So beginning next week, um, our commissions will be meeting again. If you're on a commission or if you're interested in perhaps being a part of a commission, I invite you to um, ask me more about that. That'll be a week from Tuesday. Also a week from Tuesday, Rob is going to resume his Bible study on uh, the Gospel of Mark. Uh, that will be at 6 p.m. The commission meetings will be at 7. Again, both of those a week from Tuesday. So Again, I just invite you to figure out where it makes most sense to get plugged in. We have a special guest speaker coming after worship next Sunday from the Marin Interfaith Council. Uh, give us a little more information about a sanctuary congregational network that has been forming here in Marin. So if you're around next week, I invite you to stay after worship for that. Also, just a reminder that Patty's going to be in Finley Hall with all of her fair trade items. Don't miss out on that chocolate. Uh, she'll be there after worship. So I invite you now to stand as you are comfortable for our closing hymn. It's number 408.
as you leave this place, may you know that the love of God, who is our creator, Jesus Christ, our redeemer, the Holy Spirit, our sustainer, goes with you now and always. Amen. All right.